Hey, nigga, why you fucking with me? Welcome back <laughs> to the Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg. This is Chris. This is Greg. And that was Ice Cube and Dr. Dre with Natural Bone Killers. Killers. The gangsters entering on that from the ECW. Oh my God. Thank you, little Epi- Joey Styles. Episode two of our... Endless series. Why don't you just say part two? Part two. There we go. Of our endless Episode series. two, part two. Nah. Part two of our ECW. Man, we love doing this shit. Hell yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the, the rock and roll is where we hit it. But, you know, we got to get this wrestling hits in our cut right here. And this ECW is right where we like it. Hell yeah, man. Um, Extreme championship wrestling. So, part two of our series on the ECW. So, last time we left off from our ECW uh-huh. um, episodes, we really kind of... Uh, but you know what? That was a little tease right there. All Let's right. talk about business. Sure. Big Talk CG dot podcast on Instagram and Twitter. That's Big Talk CG dot podcast. Big Talk CG... At gmail.com. Get it. And at Big Talk CG on Twitter. Yeah. Elon Elon is run, Elon's on the fucking moon right now, dude. Do you see him? <laughs> I, Every night no. I look up, I see him and I go, Elon, my moon master. He's the moon master, dude. Moon master. The moon master. Anyways, last time, you know, we left off uh, talking about the ECW. We we really left off with, you know, Shane Douglas throwing down the NWA title and uh, proclaiming himself the ECW World's Heavyweight Champion. Um, and then, you know, we kind of, you know, talked about some of the wrestlers, you know, we were going to talk about, but really that's kind of as far as their history, you know, yeah. that kind of was the end of 1994. And uh, I think we kind of pick it up from there and, and we move on, you know, anything you want to kind of, you know, summarize from that first episode you want to talk about? You know what? No, just the last thing with Shane Douglas, man, that was an excellent um, portrayal of what happened. Um, Shane was saying that, he wasn't sure he wanted to do that, you know, the speech and throw it down. But at the last second, he just he felt that he that he was doing the right thing to make a statement for extreme championship wrestling. Mm. And I'm actually glad he did it because that probably is the reason why we do have extreme championship wrestling, you know, uh, for what it was, you know, uh, the bingo hall, Philadelphia, the wild and crazy fans that just gave and gave and gave it it never stopped man so you know shane's actions 
proved right, you know. Oh yeah. And it, so some people said he did, you know, did them dirty on promotions of the the NWA, but whatever. I mean, you know, it was what it does. It's you know the business. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about here. You know, we're gonna try to go over the next couple years, ninety five, ninety six ish. Okay, cool. Got it. Um, man, a lot of amazing things happened in this promotion. Um, couple of their best years. Ninety four was a really good year for them. You know, they they came from Eastern Championship Wrestling. They went to Extreme Championship Wrestling. Um, Shane Douglas, the franchise, mm-hmm. was definitely their main guy. Um, they had a lot of things going for them. Um, 95 was another, in my opinion, really good year for them. 96, maybe even better. Um, this year, 95, just to throw out some names we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Raven-Tommy Dreamers epic oh. rivalry. Um, we're going to talk about um, future talents in other federations. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit. Um, we got a lot of people we want to talk about. We're also going to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, his Ooh. little, you know, three, four months, whatever he was in ECW. We're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about some controversy. We're going to talk about some low spots for this uh, company. Um, and we're going to talk about some high spots and, and a lot of these wrestlers that really helped and stayed with them and carried them okay. into what would be the 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 highs of this company got it um you know it really you know ecw um was a company that prided themselves on in what i consider to be loyalty they had a lot of people that were loyal because right. everybody knows the stories about paul right. Heyman. yeah he wasn't always able able to pay he wasn't always able to follow through but he Really did take care of the people of Lorotham. And that and, and on April eighth, nineteen ninety five, that's the first year we're talking about. They had this um wasn't pay per views quite then, but they were had an event called the three way dance. Now this was the event, as everybody knows, where Sabu was a no show. This was the event where Sabu, who was one of the mainstays in the early days of ECW. Okay. The High Flyers really portrayed that extreme that they were looking for, extreme wrestling style. He had signed conflicting dates. He New Japan Wrestling and with ECW on the same oh, day. Oh, okay. His, his original plan, I don't know how you do this, was to wrestle the event in Japan, and take a plane, and fly all the way to Philadelphia and wrestle in Philadelphia, which obviously was not going to happen. So maybe he had a a, a private uh, pilot, man. Well, the thing is, is that he didn't tell anybody until two. Paul Heyman didn't find out until two days before the event. Oh, okay. Um, You know, uh, Paul Heyman, Taz and nine one one all came out to the ring and basically Heyman publicly fired Sabu. Ooh. And the thing that I love about these kind of things, I don't love it, dude, because Sabu was really an integral part of the company is the way Paul Heyman handled it. He did not act like this was some sort of like, oh, we're going to, you know, make something. He said, no. He decided to go to this other, you know, New Japan Wrestling and wrestle. He did not want to come here. It's up to you guys, the fans, the ECW faithful, 
you tell me when you want to me to allow him to come back. Because they were they were pretty adamant about the fact that, wow, you guys let us down. Because this was a big buildup. Correct. This was a triple threat match. Um, I know the public enemy was in this match. It was supposed to be Tab and Taz and Sabu as one tag team. I can't remember the third tag team. Um, they actually last minute were able to get Rick Steiner to fill in for Sabu, but it was really a last two days before is when they found out. Yeah, and man, can only imagine. You know the the letdown, the crowd, the letdown in the promotion when one of your main guys just all of a sudden just like no shows. It was, it's it's incredible. It's amazing. I don't know. Right. Um, he did, he, he does end up coming back guys. He does end up coming back. Spoiler alert. Um, some other things, dude, you know, another couple of these big events, you know, that they had, um, April 15th, 1995. Oh, this was an infamous time. Um, Terry Funk, who was one of the veterans of ECW. And I don't think we talked about him enough in our first episode, but he was one of those guys that was a good enough wrestler. You all right, dude? Yes. You want to get it out? Go ahead. No. But I was going to say, um, wasn't this Hostile City Showdown? Like the pay-per-view? Um, or, or the, or no, it was, it, was, it, was triple, it was called Triple Threat. It was called, or I'm sorry, Three-Way Dance. We're, still, three at, way we're dance. still at Three-Way Dance. It was called Three-Way Dance. On April 15th, April 8th. April 8th. April 8th. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. April 8th, uh, 1995, Three-Way okay. Dance. Yes. Um, April 15th, nine, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, go ahead. April 15th, 1995. Now, a lot of people know about this kind of thing that happened from not the very beginning, but really after ECW became extreme, one of their mainstays was Mick Foley. This yes. was the day, um, April 15th, 95, where he went from being that extreme elbows off the top rope onto the floor bang bang cactus jack kind of guy to being the technical wrestler non-violent this was the kane dewey sign day oh okay um, for those of you guys that don't know there was a guy that was always in the crowd the sign guy yeah. he had a sign said kane dewey and mick foley's son his name is dewey, dewey. he you know, that was the time where there was the guy in the Philippines who got caned. They also had the Sandman who was caning everybody. Kane Dewey. Mick Foley took exception to this. Cactus Jack took exception to this. He did not like it. He instead, he just took that and made it like, okay, you guys want me to be extreme? You want me to do that? Nope. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to become a technical mat wrestler. I'm going to show you what you can do. And surprisingly, he did a really, really good job of it. And his matches would maybe have like three holds because it was like five minutes in one hold. Then something would happen, five minutes in another. And that's all he would do, dude. It was great, dude. I thought it was a great storyline. And that went on the whole that year. That is a great storyline on that, man. Damn. That was, that was good. And it really carried on for, 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 for a while, for the, almost the whole year. You know, he obviously aligned with Raven and Raven tried to get him to go to the extreme. And, uh, but man, Cactus Jack really stuck to his guns with the, I'm not going to be violent yeah. kind of thing. Dude, it was great. I mean, I mean, that's good with there because everybody is, is doing the violent stuff and they're like, you know what? I'm going to flip the script and not do this stuff and then see how far that's, it was a good gimmick on that part, dude. That oh was yeah. Killer, man. That oh, was yeah. fucking good. Um, this this year this year had a lot of and I gotta be honest with you, 
my notes here are all over the place. So I'm kind of scrolling, trying to figure out. Dude, this year for me was one of the, um, I mean, for the, unfortunately for their promotion, the ECW, they had some of their best wrestlers, but they also lost a lot of the wrestlers, okay. including the ones that were the best. We're talking about the Rey Mysterio, Huvatu Guerrero. Yeah. Um, uh, Milenko, Guerrero, and you know Chris Benoit. So let's go ahead and just kind of you know let's we're gonna we're not we may not go in an exact you know synchronized date kind of thing, but you know I'm gonna go through some important matches. I'm okay. gonna go through some important events, things that I think are important for us to talk about. That same day, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, uh, um, yeah, that same day of the Cactus Jack event, which was the Hostile City Takeover, which was Got April it. 15th. Um, that was a Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero uh, uh, match. This this match was one of the best matches the ECW. It was probably the best match, one of the best matches of the year. Um, wow. It, it was... Whenever these two got into the ring, you know, they had the whole setup of Dean Malenko as the shooter. He never talked. Eddie Guerrero brought that Mexican style. But he had the one thing that none of these guys could do, and that was a natural in-ring charisma. He had that natural likability. Even when he was a heel, you still had that part of you that right? liked him. And he, even when he was a face, it was almost like that little part when he was a face, you had that little part that you didn't like him. And when he was a heel, you had that little part where you did like him. This kind the, of thing going on. The, the match between Eddie and Dean, that was um, the ECW World Television Championship. Yes, match, that was. Right? Okay, good. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and these then, guys. And go then, ahead. I'm sorry. They went to a time draw on that. There was no winner. Dude, these guys went to like 50 million time draws, dude. These right. guys wrestled so many yeah, times. Yeah, that good. They were trading the title back and forth. They were t going to draws over and over and over and over again. It was, it was crazy, dude. I mean, nice. these, these these matches these guys were having were just out of this world. You know, I went back and I tried to watch as many of them as I could. Um, but man, dude, great matches. Um, you can't get enough of watching them. It's a, better than really anything they did in WCW. WCW almost tries to like core, almost tries to choreograph them for these guys. I right? don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, that sounds what like, about what EC, or the WCW did. Yeah. That leads up to August twenty sixth, ninety five. This is um, was their last match. Um, this is when Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero decided to leave ECW, then went to WCW. Um, and, you know, these ECW fans are not stupid. They were pretty smart people. They Got were it. what you yeah. call sharp. And normally under these circumstances, they would say, hey, you know, you sold out. You want, you're leaving. But they were like, no, we don't want, please don't go. That was the champ. Yeah. Please don't go. Please don't go. But, man, they left. And, and, and you know, Eddie Guerrero gave his speech to the crowd. And the, but the big thing about that whole event was Dean Malenko, his whole character, he never talked. He never ever talked. He was called the side, you know, he was the shooter, he was the sound shooter. <laughs> and he and he talked. He asked for the mic and he spoke to the crowd, you know, thanked them and very briefly, but he ever so did. And man, the crowd appreciated that, that so much. That's killer when you do that, dude. When they, somebody else always talks for you and you just, you know, let your um mm -hmm. actions do the talking and he finally said, I'm gonna speak, dude. And mm -hmm. you know, on the what like last night he was there. Damn, dude, that's crazy this. Yeah, crazy. Dude. It's um 
you know, ECW just has such a storied past, checkered storied past. Okay. They have a lot of stuff that was, and we're going to talk about it, obviously. They have a lot of shit that went wrong for them. But I love, you know, looking at these. They were the first to do a lot of things. ECW and WWF were not using these guys, these smaller guys, appropriately. ECW gave them a platform yeah. to excel, show their talents. You know, um, I, you know, coming up here, we're going to talk about you know, uh, Juventud Guerrero and 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 Rey Mysterio Hoover Jr. Juice. But these promotions were not giving. They were all still about the big guys. Who's the you know who yeah, looks good? I, I was going to fill up too. your TV screen, but man. These guys had way more talent than ninety percent of the guys that they were showing on I TV at that time. I always liked the um, the mid card or the guys that were uh, the cruiserweights because they always did more acrobats and you know more flips, more dives, more um, lucha style wrestling, and it, it are and then it was always fun and exciting. Then having the big guys just come and brawl and beat for yeah. you know ten minutes, and there you could see them out of breath. Yeah, I think like, I've made it clear, dude. I'm not a fan. Of the big guys like Diesel, that kind of stuff. It's like you have two moves. You have two yeah. moves, dude. The giant. What you, uh, yeah. Even, I'm, I'm going to say it until the day I die. The Undertaker. How many moves did that guy have? 72. Come on. He wasn't. He, he It was the aura of him in the ring. 72. As, in the ring as a wrestler. If we're honest with ourselves, he wasn't the greatest. It was just an aura and his image and the fact that he was the... Okay, are you done with that, dude? Because Undertaker, Undertaker rules against us. Get back to ECW. Stop talking about WWE. Let's talk about psychosis. Or excuse me. Yeah. yeah. The luchadors? Yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. Talk to him. Let's talk about it, dude. Um, psychosis, Rey Mysterio Jr. You know, I don't know what's going on here, dude. But, um, man, Rey Mysterio looked like he was 14 years old. <laughs> He, right, like, and I gotta be honest. Um, I think I've been saying Juventud Guerrero all the time, but I meant Psychosis, and I'm so sorry. You guys have probably called me out on that by now. It was Psychosis, Rey Mysterio Jr., not Juventud Guerrero. Sorry, guys. Um, so Psychosis, Rey Mysterio Jr., Gangsters Paradise, September 16th, 95. Man, great match. Um, you know, these guys used to have a lot of best out of three falls kind of things. A lot of that kind of going, um, you know, this was not their uh, first, or this was, I believe, their first match they, they had together. It was not their last. This They went even bring, brought it up another step, if I remember correctly, at the November to remember. Man, these guys were the first introduction of Lucha Libre style wrestling to any sort of mainstream, as small as it was, U.S. television audience. And I'm going to tell you this, dude. I've gone back. You can go to the peacock, to the peacock, and you can watch all of these matches, guys. And you need to, if you're a fan of this podcast, if you're a fan of wrestling, if you're a fan of the ECW, go back and watch these matches. Dude, they are killer. Oh, definitely. They are so good. And the, the, the matches they had later were even better because... Yeah. They understood what was going on. Okay, let's take our Lucha style. Let's adapt it to this ECW style. Dude, then it they took it up a whole. They right? dialed it from like 10 to 20. And yeah. it was so good. 
they were all over the place. And it was, I mean, everybody knows, you know, Rey Mysterio ended up being, you know, WWE champion. He ended up being the heights. But, dude, when, when, when Psychosis and him were wrestling together, they were really equals and i believe to this day they were equals i don't know what happened with psychosis you know yeah. why why one guy got pushed more than the other but man their wrestling ability was on par with each other their high flying right? ability was on par with each other and when they adapted that ecw style it was just out of control and, and the crowds always ate it up like oh my god so much more so much more you know more from the top rope more jumping through the ropes more dives and flips than ever before wasn't at this time too when uh ray mysterio psychosis was there super crazy came around too he didn't come around until i think 97 or 98 okay so he he was there though. it was around okay. three two or three years later Got it. okay um their their next match you know i'm gonna skip ahead you know it's kind of want to kind of keep on top of these guys okay november to remember 95 that was something that are mexican death match that was one the one that Ooh. they had that was just amazing High flying in and out of the ring, into the crowd, over the barriers. They were pulling out all the stops. This match is one of, you know, a lot of people talk about, which we will talk about in a little bit, you know, the Malenko Guerrero, their last match. I think this might be the best match of this year. It was so fun to watch. These guys were everywhere, all around the ring, just annihilating each other not giving a crap about their own bodies uh -huh. just trying to make the crowd happy. it was almost like it was a like basically what it was it was an indie show and these guys were just giving it up for the crowd it was great dude i i just wow. i just couldn't Mexican i couldn't style. get enough of it yeah dude how long was that match 15 minutes long about 15 yeah. minutes yeah. that's a that's mm -hmm. an event right there oh dude. yeah they were Ooh. all over the place and you know november to remember you know um, we had talked about, uh, um, uh, how earlier in the year Sabu had left yeah. the company, how he had been fired November and the remember November, excuse me. I'm sorry. November to remember. Um, if I remember correctly was also when Sabu returned to the E C W arena. Um, Hell yeah. Taz had been calling him out. For the better part of half of that year, Sabu, you're afraid to face me. You know, you come face me, come face me. Um, finally, he did, dude. And, you know, it was one of those lights goes yeah. out kind of things, and the, the lights came on, and they were face to face in the ring for the first time in like a year. Uh, amazing pop by the the crowd. It was just they want they wanted him back. Exactly, dude. He was their guy, and you know. Uh, time heals all wounds, I guess, and, and they were so happy to have him back. It was amazing, amazing, awesome. Yeah, um, Sabu had that energy, man. That you know when he brought it in. So a pop, I it was a, probably a huge pop, man. Probably jaws dropped, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So we can also go back. I mean, at that same event, just to, you know, so Taz was kind of changing his character thing from the Tasmaniac. Yeah, right. Um, I was gonna mention and that. This was also the event, dude. A lot of shit happened to this event. They have a lot. They just like to pack it in. This is also when Taz aligned himself with Bill Alfonso. Ooh. Bill Alfonso and Todd Gordon, who was the quote unquote air quoting owner of ECW, um, they had a match, and Taz was the special ref or something like that, and he wouldn't count Tom Gordon, you know, for the victory, and then you know, count, uh, counted the pin. 
against him and, and you know, align himself with with Bill Alfonso and goddamn Bill Alfonso with his annoying whistle and so all that stuff. You were talking about the Bill Alfonso and the Todd Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, wasn't uh, uh, Beulah McGillicuddy as the special guest referee on that? You know, one? I'm not. I'm not sure. I think that they had had maybe a couple matches. Um, I'm not really sure. I know that you know Beulah had been involved in some of the stuff, but um, I, I really don't have. I mean, I can only fit so much information onto my uh, laptop monitor, but it's possible. It's possible. All right, all right, you got me. I mean, I don't know. You're probably googling it in real time, so. Real time. I don't know. Anything? What else you want to talk about from 95? I want to talk about the Dudley Boys, man. All right. Well, I what mean, part? It, what part it, of the Dudley Boys? Well, you know what? Just mentioning them uh, from that, man. I Which mean, Dudley from, Boys? The, from Bubba. Okay. Right? Big Dick Dudley. There we go. Chubby Dudley. There we go. Sign Guy Dudley. There we go. I mean, what more do you need? I mean, hey. later on, they added Spike, you know? Uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, man. they were they were definitely just kind of getting their start in '95, um, <clears throat> and I and I remember them be getting their start. And like it says, there was like four or five guys, blah blah blah, and they were just getting a start. And I was like, ah. But when they started to break away a little bit, Bubba Devon, they just fucking sold it, dude. And, I, and I've never not liked the Dudleys after that fact. You know, through all their changes, through all what they've gone through and shit like that. Good stuff. Oh yeah, dude, and especially when they got Devon, you know, kind of those two really went on their own, and man, amazing careers, amazing careers. Um, let's talk about um, uh, um, Eddie Guerrero and uh, uh, Malenko's final match. Okay, man, they uh, best out of three falls draw. And man, they this this was an amazing match. This was one of those things that the, nobody wanted them to leave. Nobody <laughs> wanted them right? to go to WCW. Um, amazing, dude! This is one of the, the. I mean, they had a lot of matches, but this was really a match that defined their tenure in ECW. What do you think? You, you know, I agree with that. But I mean, you know. As a smart promotion of um, ECW, um, what they, they wrestle once a week. When you're with WCW and the money starts coming in, you're wrestling two, three times a week, TV time. So what can you say? It's like, hey, you know what? Uh, we got you. We want you, we wanted you to wrestle, and here's a boatload of money, and you know, come start wrestling. And that's what these guys probably did. You know, They probably didn't want to leave the passion, but hey, what, what pays the bills? Passion or money? Money. A fistful of diamonds for us. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what they got. Oh, yeah. You know, this was also the year, if I remember correctly, and I'm sure I do, Shane Douglas went to the WWF as Dean Douglas. Or am I correct, 95? I'm going to say late 95, 96. Yeah, 95. Um, he went, if I remember, let's see what I can find here. Douglas uh, formed the Triple Threat with Benoit Malenko. Um, yeah, dude, you know, his, he, um, left the WC, uh, WWF as Dean Douglas and who took over as champ. I will say to my dying day, the worst wrestler they had in the whole promotion, the Sandman. Sandman. He's horrible as a wrestler. (laughs) Great for the crowd. Yeah. Stood for everything they loved. Extreme. 
drinking, smoking, caning. Horrible wrestler. Yeah. Horrible. Have you ever seen him do a leg drop off the top rope? Yeah. Terrible. It's terrible. And he would always do it. And it's like you would watch the next match and see, can he be worse? Yup. He can be. You know, it was it was a Sandman, Mikey Whipwreck, Sandman title hold for the rest of the year, but Man, those Jesus, dude! Didn't didn't Sandman just seem like he was at home one day drinking and smoking, and then said, "Oh, I can do that." Yeah, and decided to, "Oh, I'm gonna wrestle." And you I know, think that's one of the things that endeared him to the crowd. They're like, "I could be that guy. I could look be at that him. Guy. I yeah. could be Sandman. I look could at be him, Sandman. Here, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk with with a cigarette. I think he started off. I'm gonna walk with a cigarette to the ring." You know what? I'm gonna add a couple of beers to that. Yep. I'm I'm not gonna go through the ramp. I'm gonna go through the crowd. You know, all those crazy guys still like to go through the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that, and then brought up the cane. And then that was his thing, holding up the cane and doing that kind of mm. stuff. Crazy Sandman. I love it. You know who else showed up in 95? Who showed up in Stone 95? Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. But he was just regular. I think, Steve was he Austin. stunning? I think they named him Superstar Steve Austin or something like that when he came. Oh man, I remember when he came oh, in that okay, first yeah. day. Yeah. He was like he was like dressed all like the Hulkster. <laughs> God, hey, brother. Da, da, da. Man, he gave some great, great um promos. He only wrestled a couple matches in ECW, but man, he really got a lot of shit off his mind and off his back when he was there in ECW. He got to go on some rants. He got to talk about who he wanted to talk about and say what he wanted to say. About, you know, people like Eric Bischoff, Hogan Flair, and, you know, more people like that. But, man, great promos. Some of the best of that time. Man, he, I remember, you know, he, he, that first promo he gave when he came in, he was, remember he was dressed like the Hulkster, and then he took it, I don't think so. And then he, like, went into, like, this straight shoot form. And, man, he was great. You know, there were some of the great things that he did, you know, even that promo, they call it the 4 a.m. promo. That's the one that he is most known for, where he really talked about, like, Eric Bischoff, you can't stop me. Hogan, you can't stop me. I'm going to be the star that I always know I could be. You know, that whole promo. Yeah. And it went on. That was a long promo. But it's one of the best, like, as we as as people call in the wrestling business, it was a great shoot promo where he was talking directly at you, directly at the people he was talking about, and saying exactly what he felt with no kayfabe at all. And he was just saying it like it was, how he felt, and of how he felt about these people. And, man, it was great. Yeah, that is definitely true about Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, there are uh, other wrestlers at the time. Um, I was like, Tommy Dreamer is still around. Um, you know, Stevie Richards, Raven, all these other guys were still, still in that era of, ECW having a good time wrestling, throwing some great killer matches, mm-hmm. getting some long storylines and stuff like that. You know, that kind of thing were going oh, on. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, just to go back to uh, Steve Austin, um, him and him and Sandman had a little thing going on. And and then, you know, obviously, you know, then then Mikey Whipwreck won the title. Then Austin <laughs> decided, you know, we're going to wrestle, you know, Mikey Whipwreck for the title. He loses. Um, man, and that must have been a huge hit to his ego, especially, you know, the way he came right. in, like he was going to be the best. He was going to, you know, k- you know, prove everybody wrong. And, you know, then they did the three-way dance with, um, Whipwreck, Austin, and the Sandman, which he did not win again. I believe the Sandman won that <laughs> in a three-way elimination match. Um, 
uh, you know, Austin eliminated Whipwreck, but then when it came down to the last two, and that's the thing, dude. I like that kind of a match better. I don't like the there's three wrestlers. Whoever gets pinned first loses. I like it where if you get pinned or eliminated, you're gone and it's down to two people. I like ah, that kind of a thing okay. better. And the first time I kind of saw a match was like that was in ECW before WWE started to do it. And so when WWE did it first, I was like, well, this isn't what I saw the first time in WWE, in ECW. This is different. Like that was a, you know, it was just weird. I was like, wait, the first guy that pins loses? No, shouldn't it be you eliminate someone and then it's just down to the last two people? Then, you know. And then you wrestle because you got to wrestle one more time so that yeah. he defeated two um, guys for this belt. Austin cut a great promo, dude, after that loss, dude. And then he did this kind of like, um, before he got, you know, lured away by WWE, you know, oh my God, I'm not good enough. Take me back, WCW. Take me back, uh, okay. Eric Bischoff. I'm not good enough. Just kidding. Uh-uh. I'm going to show you guys. And then he went to WWF and damn well did he show everybody damn well what he could be. Right? Great, definitely dude. that one, man. He, he definitely ended up being one of the best wrestlers of all time. I mean, and getting, you know, I thought he was great in WCW. I really did, man. I thought he was great in WCW with Stunning Steve Austin, Hollywood Blondes with Pillman. That was great. Um, it's just unfortunate, you know, that he had a, you know, I mean, it's not unfortunate. You know, he really got to, you know, get introspective. And may, I bet the time there at ECW, you know, it was only like four or five months. He really got to probably develop himself a little bit as far as talking, you know. Yeah, definitely, right? talker, but man. Good for him. Really kind of springboard him to where he became and uh, was a stone cold Steve Austin. What do you want to talk about? That dude? was good on, on stuff like do that. Do you want right? to uh, do you want to you know you anything else you want to talk about 95 or uh no nah, you know 95 was it the holiday hell was the last um we'll say pay-per-view at the time um for these guys man. There were probably there were probably some good matches on there. Let's see. Taz versus Okay, probably a Japanese guy. Kiho. Naka, Naka. Come on, dude. You can work, work on your vowels. <laughs> that one. Right? That was good. Uh, Mickey Ritrack versus uh, Cold Scorpio. Tuco two Scorpio. Cold Scorpio. Yeah, Tuco Scorpio. The Eliminators. Was it versus the Pitbulls? That was fucking, fucking killer on that one, man. You know, that shit's always good. You know, and Tommy Dreamer taking on the Blue Mini. Hey, those are great, man. You know, there was a match, um, you know, speaking of tag team matches, one of the best matches of the year. You know, when you, it's kind of hard because you got the, the cruiserweight thing all going on. Yeah. It was the Pitbulls versus Raven and Stevie Richards for the titles. Um, it was at Gangster's Paradise 1995. It's a brutal match, it's unforgettable. So many elements that really encompassed uh, ECW. Um, everybody, basically everybody was bleeding. Everybody went through tables. Everybody was getting power bombed. It was just out of control. There was interference by the Dudleys, interference by Tommy Dreamer, interference by Francine, interference <laughs> by Beulah, Alfonso, Tom Gore. I mean, it was one of these things that was just out of control. Um, I don't even, it doesn't even matter who won this match. I believe it was the Pitbulls. Oh no, it was Raven and Stevie Richards. I believe took the titles, um, man, it, um, just out of control match. Um, wow. 
I actually haven't watched this match in a while. I kind of skipped around. I missed this right? one. Right? Um, we're going to go back uh, to man, check it out. It is, you know, one of the ones you got. I remember watching. You just got to go back and we got to, you know, refresh ourselves, I guess. Let's move on to 96. Got it. 90, you, before you go 96, I want to talk about that as the holiday hell. Um, Sabu versus Cactus Jack in the Olympic rules match. Hmm. How fucking killer is that? You know, we were talking about Cactus Jack mm-hmm. not being violent in, in an Olympic rules. There's no violence. So you got to pin the guy or, or make him submit. Mm-hmm. And be, that really took a lot away from Sabu because that's uh, all he yeah. did. All right, 96. 96, dude. What a year. What a year for the ECW. Right. One of their best years. Um, you know, they lost a lot of talent the year before. And, um, considering, you know, they lost, uh, you know, uh, Malenko. They lost Guerrero. They lost the franchise. Um, they were really pushing Taz. Uh, the day also got the debut of Jericho. Uh, good matches between um, Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrero kind of came in. Uh, the whole Shane Douglas when he came back versus Pitbull won the whole neck incident. Um, Raven, Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of controversy. A bunch of shit that almost put them out of business. And one of the biggest debuts they had was right at the beginning of the year. And that was the Rob Van Dam at House Party 96 on January 5th. Let's talk about it. Uh, Go I wa- ahead. I want to ma- mention something to you. When you talked about Shane Douglas and uh, was that Gary Wolf? Yeah, uh, Pitbull uh, 1. Pitbull 1. Um, <clears throat> still to this day, the, uh, Gary Wolf says that Shane uh, didn't. Uh, do it correctly, you know. Uh, um, I don't know if it was a powerbomb. Uh, he he still didn't do the move correctly, and then Shane, on the other hand, says, "No, dude, I kept on telling him what I'm gonna do, what I'm gonna do. Make sure you lie flat, or when you hit the mat, you know, you have your legs up, blah blah blah." And then something went wrong, and he messed up his neck, and that was, and still today they blame each other. Now I told him this. No, he told him that. You told me this. You told me that. I, I remember reading that and thinking, fuck, man, these guys are, I mean, of course they don't want to hurt each other. They're not, they want it to look like we're hurting each other, but don't actually want to do it. But, you know, when someone gets hurt, it, mm-hmm. it stinks a lot. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and I got a bunch of stuff. We can talk about that because that kind of happened towards the second half of the year, if I remember yeah. correctly. Well, we got a lot of stuff we're going to bring up, especially we're going to talk about that because that was a huge storyline for them. That storyline was so had so much heat that they basically had to be escorted out by security uh, just to get out of the ring. Him yeah. and uh, Francine, uh, the franchise. Man, this this year was packed full of a lot of stuff. A lot of people say this is one of their best years in ECW. This was the debut of Rob Van Dam, January fifth, at House Party ninety nice. six. Um, he wrestled, I believe it was Axel, Axel Rotten. Rotten. Yeah. Um, he got the win, and he just went from there, man. It was great, dude. Um, I just actually watched that match today. Um, went back and watched it. Um, it was okay. Uh, it wasn't the Rob Van Dam that we all know and love, but it was glimpses of what he would become. Also, in that same, I guess, quote-unquote pay-per-view, because they hadn't had a pay-per-view yet, not until 97, was the last match ah. of the Public Enemy they went to WCW. And it's kind of funny because the crowd, last time people left, chanted, 
don't go. Right. For them, they chanted, you'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) So they told them, hey, man, you guys are going to be back. Don't worry. But they were gone for a while, man. They, you know, they eventually, I believe, came back in the end of things. But, man, they were gone for... I think four years or something like that, man. They and, just, that was, and that was a tag team street fight match, right? Uh, yeah, they returned in 99, January of 99. Ah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome yeah. back. Um, <clears throat> you know, some matches that that were important. Uh, the, February 7th, 96 at Cyber Slam. Uh, Two Cold Scorpio versus Sabu. I mean, what do you expect more out of these guys, dude? I mean, these are two high flyers. These are two guys that are going to pull out all the stops. I'm not a huge two Cold Scorpio fan. I'm not a huge Sabu fan. I'm not a fan of putting your body on the line like that and just be throwing yourself around just for the sake of doing it. I get it. It's ECW. I understand that. I'm more of a fan of the wrestling thing. But, dude, you put these two together, it's all over the place. Tables. Outside of the ring, inside of the ring, over the guardrail, you know, high flying. These guys are all over the place. Um, uh, TV title match. Um, wow, right. I, I, I believe it ended in a, um, in a draw. The time ran out, but man, this was one of the best matches of that year. And it, it, it was a thirty-minute match. Thirty-minute match. Thirty dude. minutes. Yeah. And it went to a draw. Jesus Christ, dude, that's fucking wild, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's endurance, um, too. Oh, yeah. Another match that was really good was Cactus Jack versus <laughs> Mikey Whipwreck. Um, uh, March 9th, 1996, uh, Big Ass Extreme Bash, night two. Man, not, you know, you know, everybody's used to seeing Jack take these huge bombs from Sting and Vader, you know, you know, when he became Mankind. But, man, he, this was a, uh, it wasn't a hardcore, you know, hardcore let me quote it hardcore match but man right it really you know single uh, you know this was kind of when cactus jack was coming to the end of his ecw run it was the end of his career there and man he you know wanted to go out on a good match which i think he did dude to be honest with you to be honest with you yeah that it probably was a, a hell of a match between those oh, guys yeah. man um a lot of other things happened that weren't so good for this company. Um, let's talk about uh, the mass transit incident. Do you know about the mass transit incident? I'm going to say no. So um, November 23rd, I know I'm fast forwarding in the year, but I kind of want to just talk about a couple things and then kind of get them out of the way. Um, one of their house shows. There was a match that was supposed to take place between the gangsters and God, I can't remember the other two guys, but one of them was a no show. I believe the no show was Axel Rotten. Um, and man, they found this guy to fill his space. His name was Mass Transit in the ring. That was his ring name. Although he lied to the whole you know he lied to everybody oh, okay. said he was had wrestling experience but yes. he was only 17 new jack ended up you know cutting him open and it went real deep and he lost a bunch of blood and you know got really injured and you know that was you know ended in lawsuits and all these kind of things but you know it ended up it ended up being okay it ended up you know that ECW didn't you know n- nobody on the ECW it's kind of like you know 
the fact that he lied about his age and he was underage and you know he misinformed everybody that he should yes. he shouldn't have been there in the first place that um you know everybody kind of whew, one of those kind of wipe your brow kind of situations i do remember that chris i'm sorry yes and i remember the kid like he says yeah he said he can wrestle yes he could said he could do this and then when new jack messed him up it um it really was bad and really like his cut was really deep and mm-hmm. they took him to the hospital and they were like that's when they were like getting his information and then his age and that's when all that stuff came out and you know i think the parents were trying to like sue ecw on that one say what yeah. the heck happened to you yep. guys you know why did you let my son he said, well this guy said he was 20 years old and he studied at you know the dojo and wherever he's from blah 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 yeah i remember that was huge man on that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that was wild um and that that's just showing you that you know what these guys that are in there they are professionals. They do know what they are doing, even though they're hitting themselves in the head well, with this, hitting them, you know, doing slamming that. I do agree with you, but I think New Jack was reckless. Bah, I think New, well, New. I mean, let's be honest. New Jack, New Jack's garbage, dude. You can say whatever you want about the gangsters. They were innovative. They came in there with the ultra violence, but New Jack, dude, I really, I'm not a fan of his at like zero percent. Okay. I never thought he was good at anything. I thought that he took everything way too personal. I thought every decision he made was about himself. I thought that he did not care about his opponent, whether or not they got hurt. He didn't care about if he got hurt, which is very reckless. And he showed that on many times. If you go back and watch yeah, no, I agree the that. injuries that he incurred on other people yeah. and what you hear about him, dude, I'm just not a fan. And I, I just... I don't care for him at all. It just, and it I, just, I don't it just like always what, turned you off on that. He's stuff. turned me off that I just, they come in like throwing their garbage can with all their weapons and all this shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, nah, dude, that's cool. But you know, I don't, I don't like you. Yeah. I don't, I, it's not even like an, I don't like you. I'm so indifferent. I don't care, which is the worst thing you could say about a wrestler. Right. Okay. You either hate me, you love me, but indifference is the worst thing that a wrestler can bring out of you. And New Jack, as a wrestler, brings that out of me. All and right. I have no problem saying that. Trash, trash, trash. Um, here's another event that happened, and this involves a lot of wrestlers, people that were in ECW and some people that weren't. Let's talk about the crucifixion of Sandman. Ooh, damn. October 26th, 1996. It's kind of funny because Raven and uh, Tommy Dreamer were running this program, dude, years and years, you know, two, two and a half years. Yeah. But, you know, the Sandman intertwined himself, you know. But there was a match. Um, uh, uh, you know, it was Sandman defeated his former tag team partner, Two Tolls, Two Cold Scorpio. And then Raven and, you know, his nest, they came running out. You know, we got Stevie Richards, Blue Meanie, who debuted that year, earlier that year. Um, and Supernova, they, they came out with him, Raven, and crucified Sandman. Put him on a, you know, a, uh, a two-by-four cross, had him tied up to the thing, put a barbed wire crown on him, and, 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 and had him leaning against the post. But, but the thing about it, the crucifixion, I mean, is horrible. It is horrible. I mean, you don't do that. I don't know if you do. Maybe you do. I don't know. I'm not really whatever. I'm not a big religious person, but it seems like you probably shouldn't. That's not, from a business standpoint, that's not the worst part of this whole story. 
the worst part of this whole story is that a Olympic champion was in the building at the time, and his yes. name was Kurt Angle. And he told them, if you put, because they had brought yeah, him into the yeah. ring earlier that night, and he told them, if you put me on TV and that on TV in the same show or at all, I will sue you. He was never shown on TV. Or no, the crucifixion was never shown on TV. They took that part off. I believe he was still shown. Okay. But then he was like, I can't do this. Went to WWF and the rest is history. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. They lost out big time. I, I heard that too, Chris. What I heard was, um, there's two stories I'm going to tell from this. Kurt Angle uh, knew ECW was violent and crazy. And he said, okay, just make sure that there's no super craziness that happens. There's no, you know nudity or the girls not bending over or you know he he was giving a little like you know I'm, i'll come in here i'll do some things just don't do craziness he is because he i think he was religious and he didn't want it to do with anything that was outlandish so he was doing this that happened he got pissed off and he started yelling at paulie for all that shit that was happening he goes i told you i don't want to be involved with this i told you this and this and this and this and you're right. I think when they aired it, they they didn't put uh, the crucifixion on, yeah. but it, it still happened in front of live audience. The other thing I was going to talk about it was Joey Styles. So he um, brought in some of his buddies from. I guess he was at a, a network in New York. His buddies flew in, you know, uh, to Philadelphia, and or. And uh, or watching the show, and that was the incident with the crucifix. And he said his buddies were just like mortified. Of, well, like, here's the thing, you know, dude, I'm this not. Is, this is what you left us for, Joey. Well, it, let me tell is. you this, dude. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a religious person. Okay. I get how that would be offensive, but I wouldn't be offended. I'd be like, I actually thought it was kind of like lame. I was like, eh. yeah, I get the point you guys are trying to make. You're crucifying him, and. It actually isn't Jesus supposed to be your savior. He got crucified. So are you saying the Sandman's your savior, but you're doing it to torture him and brutalize him? It didn't make sense. Like the analogy of crucifixion didn't make sense. Okay. You know, it didn't, unless they weren't doing it in a religious aspect, they're just saying they crucified people all the time and that's how you killed them because they were bad people. I, I, I think so they were I think they what? were doing it as a religious because they okay. did put like a crown of thorns on him okay. to make so, it look like I just something I, religious. I would that's another incident that I was really like indifferent about. I was like it doesn't I understood how it would yeah. piss a lot of people. Just because I'm indifferent about something doesn't mean I don't understand how it would affect other people. Right? I just personally was like, "Eh. I didn't think it was all that great." I want to rewind a little bit. Okay. I think we kind of really skipped over something. Okay. That I found. I remember. Remember we had talked about the Sandman Raven? You know, they had they had this whole years and years, you know. Sure. Raven and him were childhood friends. You know, Raven brought in Beulah. She was like the fat girl at summer camp that liked Tommy Dreamer, but Tommy, you know, didn't want her advances. And, you know, Raven brought her back and she looked all hot. You know, she was a playboy, playboy pet. Whatever, Playboy, Playmate. Do you remember at that same one that we talked about where Van Damme made his debut? Okay, yeah. Um, House Party 96. Yes. That's when she said, I'm pregnant. 
And that and Raven comes running to the ring like, what'd you say? She goes, I'm pregnant. And then he beats up Stevie Richards. He thinks it's Stevie Richards. And she says, it's not his. It's Tommy's. And Tommy storms the ring. And all, and that starts their whole you know, relationship together. Um, it, it really took their whole, you know, storyline to another level. Um, although the Sandman kept on being intertwined in there. It was almost like that's how you keep storylines going for years and years. It's just not two people. It's like you got to get these little side things, but you always come back to each other. But Right. Man, it just added a whole nother layer. You know, it ended up being, you know, she wasn't pregnant. It was a lie kind of a situation. Spoiler. But, man, that I remember I watched that today, too. And I was just like, dude, that is that's crueler than crucifying someone. That's real life. That's like you're about to have a baby with me. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm having a baby, but it's not yours. It's yeah, this it's guy. This that's guy. like it's, it's your mortal. That's not in. That's not imagery. That's not, you know. Uh, being uh, disrespectful to someone's beliefs. That's real life. I have to wake up tomorrow and this is still here. Right. That's even worse, man. It was, it was, that was a great angle. And that's one of those things that WCW or excuse me, I'm sorry. ECW was really on the forefront of, I mean, they did a lot of things and not so much them, but you know, their fans were really, you know, the first ones, they were the first ones to do the woo chant. When people would get the, you know, oh, chase, okay. uh, the the slap, they were the first ones that when someone messed up on move to say you fucked up, you right. fucked up. They were the first ones to say that. They were the ones that that, that were like, um, this is awesome. That they were the first ones that said, holy shit. They were the first ones. They did a lot of things that got introduced into all these promotions. Let's be honest, ECW was the redheaded stepchild of these other two promotions, but they were an innovator. They brought the Japanese style. They brought the oh, okay. luchador yeah. style. Yes. yes. They brought the cruiserweight style. They brought the extreme style. They brought more fan um, interaction into it. The promos were way better than anything that was going on in the other big two. And, I mean, a lot of stuff got stolen. They were just... They were not as big as the other two, but they were at the top of their game, and they just were. It, they just had so many things to offer. It was great. You know, one of the things they were talking about with ECWR on this time was a lot of the fans um, were tired of that stale, character-driven WCW uh, WWF guy. You know, they were tired of the custodian. They were tired of the prisoner. They were tired of the cowboy or the clown or whatever it was, you know. Um, and they just wanted real people that got violent because it was it, it looked cool and it, it was a different thing for them. And then a lot of these guys that came from this era uh, got themselves to a, the, the mm -hmm. level of that. But oh, it yeah. Was, it was them. The, nine, the 95, 96 years of ECW definitely was like a minor league for... Yeah, especially WCW. I mean, WWF wasn't only took like Austin and 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 uh, Mick Foley, but everybody else was getting funneled right to WCW, dude. And it the it was like a minor league, dude. They were taking everybody, right? Unfortunately, hey, do you remember? You know, we were talking about the Raven Sandman feud. Remember Sandman? This was in '96. Sandman brought in 
or excuse me, Raven brought in Sandman's wife and his son. Oh yeah, you remember that? Yeah, and, and, and his son. And, what was his son's name? God, uh, what was his? It son was name? Dewey. No, I wasn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then they made Tyler. Tyler, and then they made Tyler like dressed like Raven. Yeah, he wore the leather coat and he would do the the Raven, the, the Raven pose. pose and all that stuff, and it would just kill the Sandman, dude. That took that shit to another level. That's 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 what I don't understand. The crucifixion. We're gonna sit here and talk about it, and I'm gonna keep bringing up. That did nothing. <laughs> that did nothing for anybody. Did it? But you know what did something? I'm pregnant. Bring my wife and my kid in. All these other things brought those, you know, raven angles, more heat and stuff. And that just turned people off. It didn't, the crucifixion thing did not bring anybody in, but it did turn people away. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crucifying. That's awesome. No, people don't say that. People are more like, ugh. Don't do that, and they leave. Yeah, you know it doesn't attract; it just detracts. So, uh, you know they they tried to make up with for it in other ways, but man, that was <laughs> as much as I want to be like, dude. It doesn't. That who cares? It made a difference. I'm right? sure. Uh, yes, I definitely. mean they lost Kurt Angle for one, but I'm sure they lost some bands because of that. Because as much as you might love ECW and your hardcore. I think your religious beliefs are going to take a precedence over wrestling. Oh, At least I would hope so. I know, right? Um, man, a lot of other things, you know, that, that happened. Um, you know, during this year, Shane Douglas eventually came back. He came back. He started the th- triple threat. Um, Candido? Um, actually, I'm sorry. No, he had tried to start in 95 the triple threat with Benoit and Malenka, but when he came back, he was with Francine. And they started, you know, their little relationship, which they, I believe, dude, and he came back so heel. Because when he left, everybody was starting to hate him because they knew they were, he was going to leave. You know, and he started to kind of be a dick. But then when he came back, he was just like smarmy. And yeah, the fans just hated him. And then he got the woman. He's like, yeah, she's mine. <laughs> you know, kind of being just a dick. And, you know. Which is great, dude. You got to have that heel, dude. And basically, that was him for this whole run through uh, ECW was him. You know, he was on his own. Then yeah. he did the triple threat. Then I believe he was on his own again. But, man, <laughs> dude, that whole little, you know, run with with, with uh, the franchise Shane Douglas, dude. People forget about him, dude. He was an excellent wrestler. Oh, heck he was yeah, dude. excellent wrestler. He was excellent in his promo ability yeah he was excellent in his ability to read the crowd and what was going on he had all the tools um the one thing i think that he lacked if you want me to be able to is the it factor you know that it factor that was i think the one thing he didn't have and i think that because he had it all but when he tried to go to other promotions he didn't have it he didn't have it I just don't think he but had they, the they it. made they made him into something different. I know, but you can still you, be made then, something different and, and still, still have it. It. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Uh, you know, at any point, I mean, just you can have the it factor, but he he had everything else except for the it. And I think that's kept him from being superstardom in the WCW or WWF. All right. Um, but in ECW he fit in there perfectly. He was. I'll give you that. Definitely, you know. What I'll give they, you that, dude. The the what do they call it? The Island of Misfit Children or whatever yeah, they call something it. Like he was that. definitely the leader of that man. That was great stuff, All right, dude. man. What else you want to talk about from '96? What else you want to talk about? 
uh, I don't know, any of their, anything else? Are there yeah. triple threats and their no, title we're gonna talk about. We're going to talk about what you talked about earlier. We're going to talk about Douglas and the Pitbulls. Oh, okay. Let's talk about, you know, um, you know, Douglas, you know, had uh, legitimately um, injured, you know, Pitbull one. Yeah. And, you know, he got a neck injury, suffered a neck injury and uh, was in the hospital for a while and finally got released. And he got released with a halo, you know, one of those. Yeah. Neck halo kind of things, uh-huh. you know, and he had showed up around, you know, with Pitbull two and. A vastly improved Pitbull. Because I will tell you this, and I think I said it on last time, Pitbull 2 was trash, but he actually started to get a little better. Oh. He started to become a little bit better wrestler. But he went back in the day, he was like 94-ish. He was not very good, but you know, by this time, he had actually improved enough to be like, okay, you actually can wrestle. So are you this going to bring up where they had that match, and then he got the halo and kind of... Yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about, dude. Shook it and fucking even made it worse. Can I talk about it? Go ahead. So yeah, dude. So uh, Pitbull one was hurt. He had the halo, and and you know he needed it. Legitimately needed it. And then eventually he didn't need it. But Heyman was like, "No, oh, keep wearing it, because we'll use it later." Yeah. And we're definitely gonna draw heat on somebody. And who better to draw heat on than the guy that hurt that you in the you first place? place? So you know Shane Douglas is in the ring. He's talking. Here comes Pitbull one. He's got his halo in there, and Shane Douglas. Grabs that thing and starts shaking it like it fucking owed him money, dude. And it was back and forth. It was nuts. And, you know, he, you know, Pitbull 2 came in, you know, tried to help him. Shane got out. Dude, he got, this is the incident where he got so much heat. He had to be surrounded by security. Him and Francine to get out of the building, to get out of the ring, to the back surrounded there were people as sharp as the ecw fans are you yeah. think they would know better yeah. because he had kept wearing it never took it off and put it back on they still thought he was hurt yeah they thought that oh, he still has a neck injury what are you doing man they wanted to kill him legit murder so i i did hear about that um i shane was talking about it where when him and francine left they got into the car and all the people started to surround mm-hmm. the car yeah and shake it and he said francine goes yeah, I got. I even got punched. People were punching me, and I we. And he said, and that's the day my door got stuck, and it was jammed, and I, I had to get it out of here. He says I was surprised I wasn't shanked. He goes, you know, I was so adrenaline, like with adrenaline, and we left. And he goes, like he was driving a little bit. And goes, hey, did I get, did I get shanked? And I mean, he touched his back and he touches his chest and stuff. And goes, Jesus Christ, is it, that would have been the time people to to go out and shank me, you know, for that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, dude. that was wild, dude. Um, you know, Rob Van Dam had a bunch of great matches. Um, you know, one of the matches um, towards the you know end of the year was uh, you know September ish. Uh, Sabu and Van Dam finally parted up because they had been a rivalry, you know, for a better part of the year. You know, because Van Dam came in in, in January, they finally tag teamed it up in the end of September. And uh, man. That was a run with those two being tag team. Yeah. I think they had two runs as tag title champions. Those are two of the quintessential ECW, you know, stalwarts. You know, Rob Van Dam, you know, WWE Hall of Famer, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, WWE champion. Man, that was really a treat for everybody to kind of see those guys get together and be a tag team. I watched that match actually today. I believe it's September 24th or 28th, whatever that last 
episode of September is on Peacock. <laughs> Peacock. I watched it today. I watched his first match. I want to watch the last one of the year. You know, I just kind of want to see what I'm talking about. Um, Blue Meanie debuted that year, you know. Um, man, I think the BWO was just about to come in, dude. And at the end of that year, they might have started, you know, BWOing it up with uh, Supernova, the Blue Meanie, Stevie Richards. Um, Stevie Richards is one of those guys that he he definitely accentuated his positives and his strengths and definitely right. downplayed his weaknesses because he could read. It's almost like he could read and knew exactly what to do, when to do, and how to do it, but his execution wasn't always the best. I guess that's kind of the best way to do it. Dude, he knew when it was time to do God, he just... Right? On, on that kind of stuff. He is an unsung hero of ECW. He was the first match of ECW back in 93, I think. Mm -hmm. We talked about it in our first episode. And he was there the whole time. And he had one... I'll tell you this right now. He gave a better super kick than Shawn Michaels, dude. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. His super cook was amazing, dude. Extension City, bro. Extension City. Shawn Michaels is like 4'2". <laughs> Stevie Richards is like 6'3", dude. I mean, who's going to give a better super kick to the jaw? Right. right? Okay. Stevie Richards, dude, I can't say enough great things about him. Uh, not the best at anything, but really good at everything. Yeah, there you go. And that's, a, that's a good way to say it. Really good at reading the crowd, especially when he would change his name every week. I'm steadily Stevie Richards, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm you know, whatever he is Big that Stevie week. Stevie Cool. Yeah, he would always be changing his name. He would, dude, you loved hating him, but you hoped he was going to be on. That's how much you were like, you didn't hate him, but you loved him. You wanted to see him, but you were like, oh, God, I can't stand this guy. But what is he going to say? <laughs> yeah. He was never like the the main guy, especially like in Raven's uh, posse, uh, Raven's nest. Uh, but he always was cool. He always was uh, the number number two guy. But he knew how to. He knew his role in in his factions and shit like that. Oh yeah, dude, it's good stuff. Man. Um, you know there were some wrestlers in and out. Uh, you know, I I I. I I wish I could go over everything, you know, that I have here, dude. I got like 27 pages of notes. I think I went a little over, but man, I'm going to tell you this. Yeah, dude. you did. 96, 96. If you guys really want to get into ECW, um, that's probably one of the great years to kind of start watching. Maybe the last half of 95 yeah. into 96, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. You're going to get all the main guy. You're going to get the end of the, the end of the run for, you know, the Guerreros, the Malencos, you're going to get the beginning of the Mysterios, the Guerreros, um, the Psychosis. You're going to get Shane Douglas coming back, the Sabu leave, the return. Taz coming back from a broken neck, coming back at the end yeah. of 95. His run with Alfonso, Van Damme, um, the Sandman-Raven feud, the Sandman, or excuse me, the Raven-Tommy Dreamer, uh, bringing in Sandman's fam. I mean... The, the, I'm pregnant. The, 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 there's, um, yeah, the so broken, there's so much stuff here. You know, Mick Foley leaving, Mikey Whipwreck being champion. There's so many things here, guys, that are uh, important to the evolution of wrestling during the 90s that led up to ECW to the heights that came uh, later on in the decade. The, the foundation is built in these two years, uh, secondary to, you know, 
Shane Shane Douglas throwing down the title, most important moment in their history. But everything else after that is just is important, and it really builds a solid foundation. These two years, ninety five, ninety six, enjoyed every moment I watched of the wrestling. Enjoyed every moment that I could get. I mean, the Peacock is one of the best channels on streaming. One of the best things you guys can get. Can't say enough about it. <laughs> I wish I had a promo code or something, but I don't. Just subscribe to the Big Talk <laughs> podcast with Chris and Greg, guys. Just follow us everywhere. That'll be enough reward. <laughs> that, that's actually funny, man. <laughs> on that kind of stuff. So are we uh, are we wrapping it up on this? You one? know what, dude? I th- I really don't think I got any morals, you know, stuff to say. You okay, know, cool. it's it's I man, I was. I was so happy watching the ECW. Oh heck yeah, stuff, man! Dude. It was that so kinda, good. Dude. That kind of good stuff. All right, man. So whenever we uh, decide to do another one, Peacock, <laughs> we'll let you guys know on that one, man. All right, man. You give me some tunes. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, you know what? Me and Chris love wrestling. We love to watch it. We love to talk about it. Thank you, everybody, for. Having another great episode. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to say this, Chris. This was a November to remember. Hey, can I say something else? No. Please? No. Yes. <laughs> at BigTalkCG.podcast on Instagram and Twitter. BigTalkCG at gmail.com. Right. At BigTalkCG on Twitter. It's all killer. Take it away, Greg. All right, everybody. This is Greg from Big Talk Podcast with Chris and Greg. See ya.